Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. The conversation continues this month with cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss about the latest diagnostic and treatment tools for patients in every stage of heart failure. Here's Rasa Kay. Hi, I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm speaking with cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss of Deborah Heart and Lung Center. She specializes in advanced heart failure and in our first segment laid the foundation for what exactly heart failure is and what causes it. She continues in this segment with how it can progress and how it can be treated. Much of that is determined by a patient's stage of heart failure. Insights into understanding and diagnosing and treating heart failure with Dr. Cynthia Koss. So the stages of heart failure are stage A through D. So I like to tell my patients, A means that you're at risk. So you have something that would lead to heart failure, for example, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes. On the opposite end of the spectrum is stage D, and I like to tell patients that's the dire, the deadly stage. We don't want to get to stage D because that's where it becomes uh, very you know, advanced, where we need to do IV medications, consider you for a transplant or for a heart pump. So how do you diagnose heart failure? So the first step is to get the patient in the room, and that means everybody should come see, a, some, see their physician, their primary care doctor, and if the primary care doctor feels that they have risk factors for heart disease or heart failure to see a cardiologist or an advanced heart failure cardiologist, it really becomes a team approach. So once the patient comes to the office, we talk with them, we find out how is life going on a daily basis? Are you able to do the things that you were able to do a year ago? For example, can you walk up and down a hallway without any problems? Can you go around the grocery store without having to stop and take a break? We can kind of um, investigate the impact of heart failure just by talking to the patient. And then we can do preliminary screening tests, for example, an EKG to look for arrhythmias, which is abnormal heart rhythm. Um, we can also do screening lab work to look for the common indicators of those conditions that would lead to heart failure. For example, increased lipids, um, abnormal uh, sugar levels, those types of things. And then if needed, we would then do imaging tests, including 2D echocardiograms, which is a non-invasive ultrasound of the heart that gives us a lot of information about the structure and function of the heart. And if we need to, we would do a stress test or a cardiac catheterization to look for heart disease. We also would also do functional tests. For example, we have the patient do a six minute walk test, which is walking up and down a hallway with a um, oxygen monitor on them to see if they're losing oxygen as they're doing exercise, and also to find out if they're able to do the things that they think they can do. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm all right, I can do things that I could do last year, but when we actually have them walk, they realize they're limited. What's the age range here? Because, you know, if you're an 80-year-old who needs to take a break uh, shopping at the supermarket, you wouldn't necessarily say, better check for heart failure. If you're a 35-year-old who needs to take a break after hitting a couple of aisles at, at the Giants, that's an entirely <laughs> different story. Right. So how does age play into this? So, of course, we want to, you know, make sure that we're looking at to all the risk factors that each individual has. Age absolutely can play a part in some, someone's inability to walk up and down a hallway. And th that's why we look at the whole picture. We look at every, all the testing, all the imaging, and we put it all together collectively and figure out if the patient does have heart failure or not. 
All right, so when you find that they're somewhere between A, B, C, and hopefully not D, how do you make a treatment plan? How do we treat heart failure? The right. options that are non-surgical as well as the surgical. Yeah, so heart failure, the different stages, there are different guideline recommended medications as well as therapies for each stage. And as you progress, we, we progressively add on more medications. There's different classes that we wanna make sure that patients are on. And unfortunately, as you progress, it means ultimately more pills in the pill box, perhaps device therapy in, in the sense of getting a cardiac resynchronization device, a CRTD, defibrillator, or if needed, IV medications because the heart is so weak by the time you get progressed to the stage D that your heart needs medication every second of the day. We can't wait for an oral medication to be digested and help the body. We need it more immediately. So that's how we progress um, the therapies. And then ultimately, if there was a quote cure for heart failure, really the only cure would be to get a new heart. Um, and that would be transplant. Unfortunately, not everybody is a candidate for transplant. We talk about age. After the age of 70, you're no longer a transplant candidate. However, there's a lot of 70-year-olds, there's a lot of 75-year-olds that are out there healthier than some 40-year-olds we know. And in those particular cases, we can offer them not a heart transplant, but a heart pump called a left ventricular assist device. And those are patients that can have a long, healthy life without you know, having to have a transplant itself and live, you know, a good quality of life with heart failure. All these drugs, there are side effects to every single one. Yes. So are there cases where you're gonna go with the, the LVAD just because the drug side effects are so tough? So you still need to take drugs even if you get a left ventricular assist device. It's, it's a motor that physically helps the blood pump to the rest of the body but we still have you on some oral medications. We do take away that IV medication, hopefully, um, but you are on oral medications to, to help prevent progression of right heart failure because we don't put the pump in the right side. But again, it's way better than having to face um, the possibility of, of hospice care and death. So it is an option for some people, the benefit always is the risk of taking those medications and having those side effects. So if you could, Break it down by A, B, C, D, though D apparently maybe not as, I think you've been pretty clear on what <laughs> D is, is, is like, but living with heart failure and managing heart failure at stages A, B, C. Right, so when you're living with heart failure, first thing you'll notice is that you're on probably more medications than you were before you were diagnosed, and that is to prevent hospital readmissions and it's to extend your life. There are certain drug classes that we as advanced heart failure specialists ensure our patients are on because there are overreaching benefits of these medications. The benefits way outweigh the risk. Um, in addition, we counsel our patients on checking their weight every day. We wanna find out if they're gaining congestion, they're gaining volume over time, and that can happen with every heartbeat. So we counsel our patients that every morning, wake up, check your weight, and see if you're gaining weight, and that will give us an indication whether or not we have to give you a water pill or not. And then also patients have to be more aware of what they're putting into their body in terms of salt and sodium, uh, because sodium can also lead to um, more congestion in the body, and also fluid restrictions. 
So there are definite lifestyle changes when someone is diagnosed with heart failure, but there are resources out there because heart failure is so prevalent. Over six million people have it, but oh, you know there are a lot of people out there that have heart failure, so there's resources. We have nutritionists that can help if someone needs individual you know, counseling in terms of what they're putting into their body depending on their comorbidities. Um, and there's also support groups. I mean, what's better than someone who has the same condition you do and, you know, do exercises together or share recipes that are low sodium, that kind of thing. So other lifestyle changes that you would recommend for people with heart failure and anything else, oh, you know, especially category A, those that you deem are yeah. at risk, yeah. you know, what do you absolutely have to avoid? How do you overhaul your world to yeah. prevent moving on to stage B or C? Yeah, so I think simply put, diet and exercise, these are things that all physicians tend to talk with their patients about, but it's so important because what we put into our bodies, these are, you know, our bodies are our machines. And we, you know, the better we treat it, the better output we'll get, the longer we'll live, the less disease we will have. Um, and in terms of exercise, we wanna avoid obesity, we wanna avoid hypertension, we wanna avoid diabetes. Those are all risk factors that can lead to heart disease, that can lead to heart failure. And so diet and exercise are cornerstones of prevention of disease. I've been talking to Deborah, specialists and physicians and cardiologists and all the other folks you have working here for years and years. And no matter what, every interview, the topic of smoking and not smoking comes up. This is the first time we're gonna mention the word smoking in this whole talk about heart failure. It is beyond even imagining that somebody with heart failure would still wanna be smoking, but you still have to counsel them about this. Oh, absolutely, because not only does smoking lead to heart disease, it can lead to heart failure. And smoking in itself is, is just, uh, it can cause a whole host of uh, diseases within the body, not only pulmonary disease, heart disease. And, you know, if they do end up with heart failure and we do have to talk to them about what their options are, if they are less than the age of 70, Smoking alone can make them not a candidate for transplant. So those that are less than the age of 70, but if they are a smoker, they will not be eligible for a heart because of, it's a rare resource. And so does that mean that they can't get treated for heart failure because they're a smoker? Not necessarily. For example, they could get an LVAD, a heart pump, um, even if they're a smoker. So there are options for those that are smoking, but we of course counsel our patients not to smoke. Yes, but for heaven's sake, yeah. quit smoking. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, other strategies um, that, are, that are useful for slowing down the progression or preventing it from moving from A to B? In order to slow the progression of disease, one of the most important things to do is to continue to see your physician on a regular basis, take the medications that are recommended, right? Medication compliance often leads to relapse of any disease. So we encourage our patients to take the medications as prescribed. Also to let the doctors know if they are experiencing new symptoms, because that could be an early sign that their timeline for progression is much faster than maybe somebody else's. So it's really individual. Um, it's a two-way street between the physician and the patient. And so really it's important that, you know, they talk to each other and let each other know what the plans are. 
Does cardiac rehab have, have a role in treating heart failure? Yeah, absolutely. Cardiac rehab is recommended for anybody with heart failure. It has been shown to increase people's functional ability, um, their exercise capacity. Uh, it keeps them out of the hospital. Um, it keeps them healthier. And overall, it's been shown to decrease mortality. So there is a significant benefit to cardiac rehab, and we also recommend those to patients in addition to the medications and device therapies. Cardiac rehab itself, it's a, it's a supervised program where you are monitored and they're able to tell if you're having a problem with the exercise and stop you if it's appropriate. But ultimately, again, the benefits are way better than um, than we anticipated, and that again includes decreased hospitalizations and improved mortality benefit. So, brag about your colleagues. <laughs> what, t tell us all about why you need to come to Deborah to manage, treat, deal with living with heart failure. Yeah, so what makes advanced heart failure cardiologists different than general cardiologists is that we have trained specifically in the advanced stages of heart failure. So, when we talk about the spectrum of stages A through D, we really start getting involved in stage C and D. Those are the patients that are becoming more frequently into the hospital, more hospitalizations, their disease is progressing. So we specialize in those medications that not only help slow that progression, but also can treat their symptoms. And if needed, we would refer them for a transplant or here at Deborah, we put the heart pumps in, the LVADs. And we happen to be the region's number one center by volume in terms of putting in the left ventricular assist device. So we are vastly experienced with that device, with candidates for that device. And so a lot of patients come to us to see if they're a candidate. How does somebody who wants to learn more about heart failure, diagnosing, treating, managing, et cetera, get in touch with you at Deborah? So we have a lot of information and resources on our website. It's called demanddeborah.org and I encourage anyone who's interested in searching for information or resources to head to that website. That's cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss, a specialist in advanced heart failure. For more information on cardiac rehab mentioned by Dr. Koss, check out our podcast on that subject from October and November 2021. And watch this space for more on heart health from Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Our podcast dropped the first Wednesday of the month. I'm Rasa Kay. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah Doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at demanddeborah.org.